It's a blessing to be with you in, in worship this morning. I'm thankful to, for all of your presences here. Pray the Lord will continue to bless as He has thus far. It's an especial, a special blessing to be with you in worship this morning because as uh, has been mentioned before, we've seen that some churches across the United States have had some difficulty in being able to assemble to worship the Lord in recent times. And I would say this, that we're already encountering some of the various difficulties that have uh, come as a result of this virus that we're having to deal with. And we've had, we're about to have to deal with some executive transitions. And I would say that nobody is going to vote the Lord Jesus Christ off his throne. He sits on the highest sits on the highest position that anyone could ever hold. He is the Lord of the universe. There's no man, there's no governmental agency, there's no power that will remove him from that office. And I would say that he's not there because of the approval or disapproval of any man. He's there because he's Lord God, and I trust that he has all these things held in the palm of his hand, and he will do whatsoever he wants to do with them. Uh, We sang a song during the song service which asked the question of, why should we gain from the why should we gain from what Christ has done for us? Why should we gain from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? And it says, Why should we gain from his reward? Because I believe not only did Jesus Christ effectually secure the salvation of his people when he died on the cross, he also won honor and glory for himself. That's something that we can give all of the honor and glory to him for. And as we ask that question. I believe it's answered by Scripture in Ephesians, the second chapter. Turn with me there this morning. We're going to consider several verses out of that chapter. And uh, the Ephesian church is one that's peculiar. The Ephesian city was one that was based around idol worship. The, The central force of that city that stimulated the economy and the growth and the massive population that it had for an ancient city was the Temple of Diana that was located in that city. People would come to that city, they would pilgrimage, they would spend a time there, they would offer sacrifices to that goddess, and then they would leave. And because there was so much tourism going in and out of that city, that city became a very large infrastructure. It became one of the foremost cities of Asia. And Paul writes to them as a church which he and others have have founded in that city, and he's explained to them some of the most elemental concepts of the Christian faith. And he answers the question, why should we benefit from the sacrifice of Jesus? Why should we benefit from Christ's death? Why are we worthy? Why are we worthy? Of, are we worthy of, of the blessings that God has given us? And in verse, five of Ephesians, verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, we're told that here's the reason. Although we're worthless and we're not worthy of the blessings of God, And although these people were even located in a city which was based on the worship of an idol, of a goddess, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, that in the ages to come... He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And here's the verse that I want to place the most emphasis on. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
So as we read these verses of Scripture, Paul is trying to explain to the Ephesian church why he could offer them the principles that he's teaching. The principles of that we are worthless and that in times past we walked according to the flesh. We walked according to our fleshly desires and our sinful inclinations. And he's explaining to them, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love or with he loved us, the key here is mercy and grace. And Paul wants to emphasize to these people that this grace and mercy was not deserved. Even when we were dead in sins, in verse 5, Paul says, even when we were completely inactive, even when we were laying prone on our backs, spiritually dead. Spiritually dead means aligns according to this definition of being physically dead. We're not able to do anything. We can't see spiritual things. We can't breathe spiritual air, if you will. We can't see the spiritual things of God. We can't hear the spiritual things of God. We can't go about acting in the works that the Lord would have us to do because we literally do not have the capability to do so. But we're told that God in His grace and mercy rescued us from this condition. By grace you're saved and has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Now we might ask the question, how are we raised up to heavenly places here on this earth? We're told in the next verse that in the ages to come, He might show us the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. That's relatively simple, is it not? We all understand that when the Lord returns, we believe that His children will be called up together with Him in the air, and we will go to forever worship the Lord in perfection and celebrate His glory in the things that He has done for us. We understand that. But how are we lifted up to heavenly places in Jesus Christ through this act? Well, of course, we will someday be lifted up to heaven. But I believe that even now, through the fact that Christ has brought us from the dead through the power of His Holy Spirit, we're able to rejoice in the heavenly blessings that He has left for us here on this earth. We are given the ability to do that. And Paul goes on to redefine these things. Okay, we understand that God saves us through His grace and mercy. We understand that He has quickened us from death and brought us to life by grace. He has raised us up together and made us able not only to enjoy the blessings here in time, but someday we will be called up together in the air to rejoice with Him forever. Paul goes on in verse 8 to again say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now that first phrase is relatively simple. For by grace are you saved. We're saved by grace. We're saved through the fact that God showed us grace. He gave us something we did not deserve. Not only did He show us mercy, which means to spare somebody for something that they do deserve, He showed us grace and gave us something that we did not deserve already. In doing that, He saved us through grace. He saved us, for by grace we are saved, through faith. Now that might sound confusing. We might be able to argue with that and say, well, we're saved by grace, but we're also saved by faith. But Paul goes on to re re clarify this and he says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God it doesn't matter what angle that we approach this from it always comes back to the fact that this is of God and we are the unreserving undeserving recipients of his grace and then he goes on to say it once again just in case we forgot just in case we didn't catch how bad of a condition we were in 
and how merciful God was in saving us. He says in verse 9 again, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now who does the praise go to? Who can we boast in? Paul says, God, Paul says at one point in his ministry, God forbid that I should glory in anything but the cross. He gives us license to glory in the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. Do you want to know what we're able to glory in this morning? It's not anything that we have accomplished. It's not anything that we have been able to do through works in our lives, but we are given the license on the authority of Scripture to glory and rejoice in the accomplishments of our Savior. That's why we gather together to worship on a weekly and sometimes twice a week, maybe even sometimes three times a week, to glory and worship in the accomplishments of our Savior. And that's what Paul's saying here. Remember, he says it over and over again in almost every verse. He gives us an indication of this. All the glory and honor and praise goes to our Lord Jesus Christ for these things. And then he ties it all off with a practical application. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Submit to you this morning that you are, are sculpted and shaped by the Holy Spirit in order to follow the Lord in discipleship. The Lord does that in grace. If we are led astray and do not, do not follow the Lord in discipleship, that doesn't affect what He's already done for us in grace and mercy. But the other thing that the Lord has accomplished for us is that He has shaped us by the power of His Holy Spirit and by the instruction of the Word of God to be His workmanship. That workmanship means to something crafted by one's hands. I'm sure you've all made things with your hands. And Christ has bent down to each one of his, will bend down to each one of his children at some point in time, and through the power of his Holy Spirit, he will shape them so that they may do what he asked them to do. These things are before ordained. That means before prepared. And what Christ has done, he has prepared us a way that we would be able to walk in good works and service to him. That's all to his honor and glory and praise. Now, I know that's a very, that may be a very simple concept to some of you all here this morning. I think the sense that I've received throughout this week as I've tried to go on and think about some of these things, think about what I might speak to you all here this morning, that uh, the, the sense that I have gotten is, I know I'll have to stand before you and try to speak to you this morning. And the sense that I will have is that, as I, look, I didn't know Brother Luke and my dad and Brother Tim were all going to be here, But I stand before you this morning feeling like I'm the last person that ought to be up here. There's three other men in the building that could fill the pulpit. But why am I up here this morning? I don't need to be up here. I feel this overwhelming sense that I shouldn't be standing here. And this is why my mind was drawn to this this morning. Because even as we enjoy the rich blessings of Jesus Christ, even as we rejoice in the message of the gospel, even as we go about our lives on a daily basis rejoicing in the Lord and what He's done for us, we're unworthy recipients of His grace. It's such a blessing to enjoy. But we're the unworthy recipients of it. And the cause is but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Paul wanted these people to remember that it's about, about grace and mercy. He drills it in in these, in these verses over and over again. 
when you go about your city that is constructed around idol worship, that is based on the infrastructure of the temple, which brings people in to do all kinds of sorts of horrific things. As you walk about the city and you see these things, remember the grace and mercy of God. Because of the grace and mercy of God, you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In closing, um, I would ask you to to think about how these Ephesian people felt oftentimes as they walked about their city in comparison to how some of us may feel, especially in recent times when we've been borne down by just some of this negative news, whether it be related to the coronavirus or whether it be related to the election or whether it be related to the other elections that are going on. And I, I would tell you today that there are some other elections that went on other than the presidential election they were, that were very, very important. And they did, not, they did not all go either the way we wanted them to go or the way they didn't want them to go. And the way the election went, as we said before, regardless of how you felt about it, did not sway the fact that Christ is eternally elected to sit on the throne, on the right hand of the throne of God and make intercession for you while you're here on this earth. And I assure you today, on the basis of Scripture and on the basis of the fact of God's great love for all of His children, that He eagerly awaits the day that He could gather them together in all perfection. And we could sing a new song. Well, Revelation tells us that the four and twenty elders sang a new song to the Lord. A new song. Well, guess what it says? Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. Does that sound like a new song to you all here this morning? That's what we just talked about. Even if we sat down right now and we sang that verse out loud, it wouldn't be a new song. That's what we discussed. We discussed the grace and mercy of God, but that tells me that one day we are all together in glory. The message of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ will never grow old. Every day that we sing it, it will be a new song. Every day for all eternity, even though there will be no more days and there will no, be no more time, that we lift up our voices in praise of the undeserved grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, it will always be new. I look forward to that day we'll constantly be able to sing a new song for all of eternity. I love you all.